Hello and welcome back to the Enough Fight podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to download, tune in, listen. This is episode number 703. They keep knocking up and hopefully you guys keep enjoying them. If you do, please do take time to hop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Please give us a rating and a little bit of a review. That really helps the podcast to grow and we're obviously massively appreciative of that. Share it with your friends. That's also how we grow. It's all organic reach. And now we're moving through 700s. We need more organic reach. So I appreciate all of you listening, and I appreciate if you could spend just a moment to rate and review us in iTunes or wherever else you listen. That'd be fantastic. Here we go, another week, number 703. And I'm talking today all about exploring in the UAE. Which, given the time of year that this is coming out, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, why didn't you put this out at the start of the winter rather than just when it's coming into summer and I can't get out and enjoy all these places? Well, yes, that is a certain consideration. And it's a slight disclaimer. We're less than a minute in and I'm already dishing out disclaimers to this show because actually this show and these locations that I'm going to talk about do need quite a lot of respect and a little bit more consideration than just going out for a walk. It is getting hot now, and no matter if it's hot or not, these places need respect. Some of them are very remote. Most of them don't have any water, and you might hear me say this over and over again. You will always need more food and water than you think when you're out in the mountains, not only here in the UAE, but pretty much all around the world. We massively underestimate distances because distances out in the mountains are massively impacted by elevation, both going up and going down, slows our passage. Yes, even when you're going down, things slow down a little bit. So please do be careful. That is my disclaimer, you can still explore some of these amazing parts of the UAE 365 days of the year. So no, not always does the hot weather need to be a barrier to entry. It just needs a little bit of, let's say, additional consideration. Obviously, I've spent a lot of time here in the UAE. I've been here since I was four years old and explored a lot of different areas, none more than the city of Dubai itself when back in 2018 I ran my 30 marathons and I think I've covered not quite as we're talking to Pink Taxi there in 699. She's running every street of the UAE, but I've definitely seen the sights and nowhere to go for a running tour of Dubai. So if you're in town and you want a running tour, give me a shout. We need about, to get actually to have a really good look around Dubai, you can do it through a marathon. You can start up near the marina, go down Burj Al Arab, down the beach road, all super nice down there, some of my favorite places to run. And then you can duck down into Bird Dubai, Deera, and finish up at Old Town. And that will actually give you about a marathon. Dubai's not actually huge. So it's very easy to explore within Dubai. And there are still some great places to go running and things to see, culture to absorb. Yes, we do have culture for those of you that think that culture is found in bars. No, it's not. It's found in some of the more older and historic parts of the city. But this show is about getting outside of Dubai, getting out into actually places that are 
not all the places I'm going to speak about are in Dubai. In fact, only one or two of them are actually within the Emirate of Dubai. Those of you that are listening internationally, Dubai is made up of seven different Emirates, which makes up the United Arab Emirates, the UAE. And that is the country itself. And Dubai is a city within that. Dubai itself has a lot of coastline and quite a bit of desert. And that's actually where I want to kick it off. One of my favorite bits of desert in the UAE is actually within Dubai and it's very close to the city. It's about a 30 minute drive, which is the area of Al-Qudra. Now, interestingly, the area of Al-Qudra I first discovered about 15 years ago when they built the hotel Bab al-Shams out there, which is a beautiful Jumeirah hotel. It's based in the middle of the desert and that's what it was for, to give people that desert experience. And some of my friends came over from the UK and I remember driving up the what is now the Al-Qudra Road and it was literally a dirt road, stroke, little bits of tarmac, shall we say. And I was like, where on earth is this hotel? And I got out there and I was like, you guys are literally staying in the middle of nowhere. Little would I know that 15, 20 years later, it's probably one of my favorite go-to playgrounds because it is so close to Dubai. It's about a 20-minute drive from my gym, 30 minutes from the city. And it now boasts an amazing facility. And the story goes that that road that I spoke of, that was a dirt road, struck bits of tarmac, slowly became a better road surface and cyclists would use it because it was a very quiet road and out in that direction they started to build horse endurance stables when endurance horse racing was starting to pick up they needed some space for that so they started to place these endurance stables out there and on the weekend cyclists would go out there because it was very safe there was very few cars kicking around and one morning the ruler of Dubai His Highness Sheikh Mohammed was driving out there and he would often see these cyclists and, and, and obviously wonder what on earth these guys were doing. And one morning he pulled over and he asked them and they explained. And a few months later, I'm not sure of the time span of this, but he gave the instruction to build these cyclists a dedicated cycle track around the area of Al-Qudra. Absolutely incredible to the point where today we have around 125 kilometers of cycle track that you can just go straight on. So you don't need to double back on yourself, you don't need to do loops, and you can do about 125 kilometers if you start at the bottom of Al-Qudra. If you start even further back in the area of, it's basically Al-Barari and just through Global Village, you can obviously do about another 40 to 50 kilometers. So we're just shy of 200 kilometers out there. One of the things out there in Al-Qudra is that it is desert. With the access now of the roads, it provides us an amazing desert playground for running and for exploring. And that's where I've spent a lot of time. That's where we've run a lot of our ultra camps. I actually did before we had a lot of space out there in Al-Qudra or a lot more roads, should I say. The space has always been there. Back in 2015, when I was training for Marathon de Sable, we'd literally just drive out there and just run and really had no idea where we're going. Now, it's a little bit more marked out. There's man-made lakes. There's a, a man-made conservation reserve that's coming out around there. And there's just unlimited opportunities. You can run on hard trail. You can run on soft, flat trail. You can go through dunes. You can mix it all up. You can go deep into, into Al-Qudra, sort of at the what we generally call the 
back of the cycle track where I've stayed there for two to three days and seen literally only cyclists, very few vehicles. So that's something that is an absolutely amazing place. You can also just hang out there around the lakes. You're allowed in certain areas to have barbecues, to partake in camping, just to enjoy the nature. There's an incredible amount of birds that have obviously been brought into that area and have bred in that area. I think there's around 50 to 100 species of birds. I might have that wrong. And there's a lot of different fish as well that are in the lake. So if it's a family day out, lots and lots to see. And if you're a little bit more extreme and want to just go out and lose yourself for a couple of days out there, there is that option as well. One of the greatest things for safety around that area as well is there on the cycle track, there is emergency phones all the way around. And now most of the area for good or for bad has mobile network coverage. So if you do get into some trouble, you can get hold of someone. Back to what I was saying earlier though, in this area, there is only one shop, which is at the top of the road, at the top of Alcudra Road. And there is no water stations out there in the middle of the desert. There are little shelters along the cycle track, but there are no water stations. And I've seen it many times where people have rented bikes at the shop at the top of the stick where they can just take them out and they've got out 10 or 15 kilometers and they've run out of water. They're in a storm and things are not easy. But we do have mobile network coverage out there. So that's super positive. Also, it is a great place to take families. It does get the weather out there does get quite brutal. It gets very windy, but there are little areas around the lakes where families can go and enjoy as well. So you can have a nice walk around the lake. You can walk through the dunes, sit down and have a barbecue as well. So my go-to place in Dubai to get a little bit of nature and to get out in the dunes, it's sand only. There's no mountains, there's no rocks. The dunes are undulating, but it, you don't get a great deal of elevation. First off the rank is definitely Al-Qudra. Then you really, from what I know, unless you're going to continue to explore what I was talking about before, in a city running in Dubai, what I know, you have to go to the other Emirates. Let's start with one of the highest points or the highest point in the UAE, which is Jebel Jace. Jebel Jace is about an hour and a half drive from Dubai. And it offers two different things. It offers a number, well, it actually offers three or four. To me, it offers two different things. It offers a number of hiking, trekking, and running routes. Whether you want to go from the bottom to the very top, that's an option. I've done that in about four or five hours, and you go through some absolutely incredible places. The best place, and this is for all of these other places that I'm going to speak about now, this is one of the best places to find the routes on Wikiloc. There are a number of routes that will take you to the top of Jebel Jace, which is about 1,800 meters. So it's quite a big trek. Again, there are no water stations along the way. If you wanted something a little bit more relaxed, you can drive to the top of Jebel Jace, and then there are a number of trail routes, hiking routes around the top of Jebel Jace, which range from about two kilometers to about eight kilometers. You can do loops, you can do all sorts of stuff up there. The second thing that's amazing for Jebel Jace is if you do like to travel on two wheels on a bicycle, it is a great ride up and a lot of fun also on the way down. It's about 18 kilometers to what's known as the old top because that was what was the top before, before they laid the road to the new top, which we call the top top 
or top, 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 which is another five to eight kilometers. So you can get about 25 kilometers of climbing in and you can park the car any distance from the bottom to get a flat run into the mountain before you go up. Good thing at the top of the road, there are various options for refreshments. Most of them are absolutely terrible. It's all deep fried takeaway food. But the good news is, is that you can definitely get a fresh bottle of water. Sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not. There's lots of exploring to do on Jebel Jace on foot, but there is a lot of danger with it as well. There are a lot of routes that you will think they take you not very long, but they take you a long time. People run out of water, and I've heard of numerous people getting rescued from there, as well as a few fatalities. So please treat this mountain with the respect that it deserves. If you don't like to travel on two wheels, and you don't like to travel on foot, then there is an option of Jebel Jace. It has one of the something-something zip lines in the world. I don't know if it's the biggest, if it's the fastest, who cares? It has a pretty big zip line up there, which I haven't done, but it looks like a lot of fun. Talking of mountains and high points of the UAE, the next point is actually in a different emirate. I'm going to jump to Jebel Hafeet, which is in the emirate of Abu Dhabi and the city of Alain. Again, it's about an hour and 20 minutes from Dubai. And this is about from the bottom to the top. This is where the tour of the UAE or went up. I think the tour of Dubai also went up, which is very strange because it's not even in Dubai. From the bottom to the top, cycling is 800 meter climb and about a 10 to 13 kilometer piece of tarmac. It's tarmac all the way. Very good quality tarmac little bit sketchy in certain areas, so please be careful on the way down because it gets very, very steep. I've had a lot of fun on this mountain, which it's weird to call it a mountain. It is a mountain, but it's essentially a piece of rock that just has jutted out from the earth, and it takes about 10 kilometers squared, and then everything around it is flat again. So when you're at the top, it's a really weird feeling because it's almost like you're stood on a rock and everything around you is flat. You'll understand if you've been to the top of it. I think I first went to the top of it when I was a youngster. I used to go and watch mum and dad run up there, cycle up there, and lo and behold, I think the first time I ran up it was in 2005, and have since run up it multiple times. We've done a few challenges there, riding up it. We did, the first Into the Darkness we did was actually on Jebel Hafeet, which was a non-stop touch and go ascents and descents, obviously, of Jebel Hafeet, as many as you could do in the hours of darkness. If you're looking for a weekend away, it's actually not too bad either because there's a hotel on almost at the top, about three kilometers from the summit, which is not a bad hotel, a great place to base yourself if you're looking for a training camp. So a great place. I haven't been there a lot at all in the last year or so because of the restrictions of PCR tests and going over the border to Abu Dhabi. As I said, Alain is in Abu Dhabi. It's contrary to what a lot of people believe. It's not actually its own emirate. It's part of Abu Dhabi and access to it over the last year has been tough, but it is one of my favorite places to go for hill work on a bike. And as well as running up the tarmac, there are, just like Jebel Jace, a number of routes out along the back, as it were, where you can run up it or hike up it, climb up it. There's actually even some actual roped climbing, some real climbing, as I'd call it, around the back of Jebel Hafeet, which people can get up there and enjoy. 
One of the most, we're going to flip back to Russell Kamer now, which is actually where a lot of, because of the way that the Hajar mountain range, and that's where Jebel Jace actually lives. Jebel Jace is the pinnacle of the Hajar mountain range, which geographically the Hajar mountain range splits the east and the west coast of the UAE. And a lot of that land geographically is lies in Ras al Khaimah. And one of the, I think actually one of the oldest hikes within Ras al Khaimah is what's known as the Stairway to Heaven. I'll be honest, when I did this, I've only done this hike once and it was about a 12-hour effort. When I did it, I was wondering if they'd renamed, if they'd named it wrong and it should have actually been called the Stairway to Hell because some of the stairs on the way were actually quite horrific. This is not for a novice. This is not for a nice, easy day out. The full loop here, as I said, it's not long distance-wise, but it can be quite long time-wise, depending on who you've got with you. When I did it, we took about 12, 10 to 12 hours. It was an incredibly long day out, and I almost ran out of water. There, again, is no water on the way. It's a loop around, but you need to have the capacity in your backpack, your hydration vest, to be able to carry at least five to six liters of water per person and food. There's no shops along the way. The trail is very well marked, and if you are on Wikiloc or you jump over to Wikiloc, you will be able to download a GPS file if you have a GPS-enabled device. One of the things on this route when I did it about four years ago is that there were certain areas that did not have any mobile network coverage. So relying on your phone, Google Maps, and this type of thing to show you where you are will simply not work in a lot of areas actually in the Hajar Mountains up in Ras al-Khaimah. But the Stairway to Heaven is something I would definitely suggest if you're going to do the full thing, you want to be looking at doing that in the winter time, not in the summertime. It's definitely not something I would encourage anyone to take on in the summer. And please tread with caution. It's not for a beginner. It's definitely for a more advanced outdoors person, whether you're a walker, a hiker, a trail runner, no matter what you are. Some of the areas are what we describe as incredibly technical and they need the respect. They need a lot of training to actually tread safely through them. As I said, stairway to heaven, stairway to hell, some of the bits were super, super sketchy. Moving on, Wadi Nakab is actually a place that I found just over a year ago. It's not that it was only founded a year ago, it's I only started going there a year ago, just after the, just after lockdown actually. So about this time last year. And this place has a lot of different blogs about it as well. It's very easy to find. It's about an hour from here down the 611, which is now open. So if you jump on the 611 from Dubai, it's a straight road all the way down. You chuck a right when, it's, when the sign says Wadi Nakab, and you're literally in the mountains. And there's a number of different things or routes you can do here. They're all or mainly out and back routes. We have formed, Rob and I formed and Akbar formed a loop there a few weeks back, which again is probably for a more advanced, there's an incredibly steep 
climb with a lot of loose underfoot. But Wadi Nakab is very beautiful, and there's two or three different routes. It's become a little bit more commercial in, in the last year, which is great to see a lot more people going down there, and they're now building a big dam to protect it from winter floods, which fortunately we haven't had any this year, but there's a little bit of construction going on. That said, there's boulders, there's scrambling to be done, there's nice walks through wadis. Parts of it are great for families with small children, fantastic for camping. There's various areas which you can now camp because they've cleared out a lot of the wadi to make it passable by vehicles and it is not super busy. So it's a really, really nice spot. And there's lots of little peaks off to the left and right. So if you are experienced, you can go a little bit off the beaten track Find your own way around, and if you've been there a few times, you can definitely have some fun and connect some things up. There are various villages along the way. Please be nice to those villagers. Some of them are a little bit more aggressive than others. I haven't actually been able to get any water or refreshments from any of them yet, so again, please do make sure in Wadi Nakab you are well armed with water and any sort of food that you might want to take, which I, I'll speak about a little bit later, some of the safety precautions that we should be taking going to these places, but definitely what in a cab has no convenience stores. Back out to the desert and on the way almost to the east coast, there is the desert of Maliha and the area of fossil rock, which is a fossil rock. It's pretty straightforward, another big rock that juts out of the desert this time. And I actually remember visiting this area as, as, as a kid. We used to go on school trips here. Number of different things you can do here. It's good, but not great for camping. The reason I wouldn't say it was great is because there are a number of people that have taken over this area to drive their four-wheel drives. It's fantastic if you've got four-wheel drive, but they seem to want to do it at 11 p.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m. So it's not fantastic for camping, but there are a number of different routes here. You can trek up, train going uphill through deep sand up to the top of Fossil Rock where you'll be rewarded with some fantastic views. You can then take a nice traverse all the way down the dunes to an area called Devil's Plunge, which gives you the privilege of sprinting full mayhem down it, probably falling over. And in this area, you definitely, as with Al Qudra, if you're gonna play in these dunes, you definitely need shoes, your running shoes to have gaiters on. Otherwise, you're gonna spend the most part of your day clearing sand from your shoes or end up at home with a load of blisters, which isn't really super comfortable. It does have day and night quite a few people enjoying four-wheel driving in the areas. Some of them are reckless, some of them are very considerate, all of them produce quite a bit of noise. It's not one of my go-to areas. I don't go there often, but it's nice. And if you're looking for pictures, it takes pretty good pictures as well. So that one is Fossil Rock. There's three other areas I wanna speak of, all in the area of Ras Al Khaimah. One is Mount Sana. One of the beautiful things about Mount Sana is that the color of the rock is purple and green and like nothing I've seen in any other part of the Emirates. It's got a truly unique color rock. Someone might correct me if I'm wrong, that's fine. They might have explored more than I've explored. There's actually a race there that's a 60 kilometer loop and there's a number of different parts, if that's not your bag, there's a number of different parts 
of the race that you can do. Some of them are on Wikiloc, some of them aren't. You can create a nice loop, you can create a nice out and back. It's not massive amounts of elevation at Mount Sana. There, it does go up and down, it's trail. Some of it, a lot of it, if you plan your route properly, would be Jeep track, so not super technical, but there are some really good areas, if you do like trail running, to have quite a bit of fun. It's fantastic for camping for two reasons. It's not very busy. There's some beautiful places to stop your car. And the third reason, I said two, but there's three. The third reason is that a lot of the area does not have mobile signal, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Two more. One is called Jebel Janus. Jebel Janus is on the way to Jebel Jace. And it's one of the steepest climbs that I've found next door to its my final climb, which is almost its sister or its brother or its nasty cousin, Jebel Yabir. Both of these climbs are super tough. Jebel Janus is a little bit shorter, but a little bit steeper. In areas, it's 20%. But when you get to the top and you go along the ridge, you're really rewarded with some beautiful views of, surprise, surprise, down in the canyon is Wadi Nakab. All of these places are actually quite close together and linked together, or you can link them together. They're not linked together by roads, but I've created some routes that actually link them together. If you, There's a route that actually goes from the road to Jebel Jace, which turns off, it goes up Jebel Janus, you go all the way along a ridge, then you drop down into Wadi Nakab, and then you go up Jebel Yabir. Jebel Yabir is absolutely incredible. It's, it's one of the higher points. Jebel Jace is the highest point in Ras al-Khaimah of the Hajar Mountains, but it's one of the higher points that you can only reach on foot. And when you look out to the right, you'll also see an area that I want to give small mention to. We've run some training camps, which is Cat Springs area. It used to have a hotel there, it doesn't now, but for a day hike, it's actually a super nice 12K loop. It's an easy 6K up and an easy 6K run or walk down. From Jebel Jabir, you can actually go, you can continue to traverse almost the spine of the Hajar Mountains if you wanted to do a point-to-point -point route, or you could spin around and come back. So they're really my top places to go that I've explored. There are a number of, there's Leopard Canyon, a number of different ones. What I tend to do is I tend to go to a place and I tend to try and do different things in that place or find a nice route and train a lot on that route because I know exactly what it's giving. I'll read them off again. Al-Qudra, Jebel Jace, Jebel Hafeet, Wadi Nakab, Stairway to Heaven, Maliha, Fossil Rock, Mount Sana, Jebel Janus, Jebel Yabir. So what to be, aware, to be aware of, and all of those places, as I've mentioned a couple of times during the show, are available on Wikiloc. Wikiloc is a super, super simple app. It's like Facebook for trekkers, but not as annoying and not as many notifications. And you can da directly download people's GPS files. So they've done a route. They'll upload the GPS file. You can download it directly to your watch. They'll explain what the route is, how long it took them, any commentary, and it's really quite easy. Sometimes it's good to have that as a little bit of a backup for peace of mind, but also sometimes it's quite good fun to get on Google Earth and to plot your own routes. Beware, there are a number of areas that are very, very hard to access 
by vehicles and by emergency services. So please don't go beyond what your limit is. And your limit is probably about half of what you think it is. None of these areas, except the top of Jebel Jace and Jebel Hafeet, because they have car access, have water. You need to have all of your own water with you. You should be carrying at least double or triple than what you think you need. And you need at least, even in the cooler weather, you need to at least be planning that you'll drink a liter of water every hour. People get themselves into trouble because they think they could do a lot further in the time that they've given themselves and they think that they don't need as much water. Almost every time that someone comes out with us for the first time, even though we'll tell them, bring five liters, they won't believe us because they'll say, the route says 10 kilometers and I can run 10 kilometers of the beach track in an hour. Why do I need five liters? You have to give nature, the mountains, the desert, respect. It's a lot different from running up and down the beach track. You need to have your water with you. A number of the areas do not have phone signal. Most of the mountain areas, it's intermittent. So you're probably going to need, if you want to spend a little bit of time, explore a little bit, some form of GPS device where your file ideally would be loaded or at least your watch would have the option of guiding you back to your car, which most wrist devices have right now. You don't need to go out and buy a handheld device. Most of them actually have that where you can return to your start point. It's a great idea to plot your route. Whether you use something like Wikilot, whether you use something like Google Earth and you create your own GPS file, it's a great idea to have an idea of where you want to go. You might deviate from that if you feel super confident and you've been out a few times. I wouldn't be deviating on your first trip out there, but it's a really good idea to have a, a route plotted out so you kind of know where you're going. It does get hot super fast, especially as the winter passes. The winter months out in these areas is November, December, Jan, Feb, and maybe a little bit of March. After that, once the sun comes up at about eight, or comes over the mountain, should I say, the sun's up earlier, but once it's really up at about eight or nine o'clock, it gets hot incredibly fast. One thing that I see out in a lot of these areas is rubbish. I can't really understand why. We're given this nature to get out there and to enjoy it, and lots of people choose to leave rubbish lying everywhere. It kind of hurts my heart in a way. I find it totally unnecessary. So please, if you are going out and enjoying nature, take your rubbish with you. You took it there, it's your responsibility to take it home. You may come into contact with some locals in some of these areas. There are various mountain villages and different locals cruising around, building things, living, enjoying their life. Some of them are incredibly friendly, but some of them are not overly friendly. Be careful, treat them nicely. Think about if someone just turned up in your backyard and said, oh, isn't this nice, and started having a snoop around, how you'd feel. A lot of that area is their backyard. Although it's not all marked off, they can be quite territorial. And in some places, we've been met with quite a lot of resistance. So please be aware of that. What's incredibly important is your equipment. Under your equipment is not only what you wear clothes-wise, 
but also what you wear on your feet and the hydration pack that you have. Clothes-wise, it's pretty straightforward. You need to be wearing sports clothes that protect you and that are super comfortable, that don't give you a lot of chafe, hopefully. Footwear, trainers, standard gym trainers, if the trails are a little bit more aggressive, are going to get absolutely ripped to pieces. So please be aware of that. Also, what we need is plenty of sunscreen. It gets super hot. I'm going to say that again. I've said it twice already. It gets super hot. Your exposure to the sun could cause you to be airlifted out. And I've seen a number of helicopters in these areas. Simple things like wearing the wrong clothes and not wearing sunscreen, not having enough water, actually has led to some people losing their lives. And also, not knowing their route has led to people losing their lives. The nature that we've got here within the UAE, within an hour, an hour and a half of the center of Dubai, is actually super nice. Yes, it's completely different to the French Alps, but that's okay. There are areas and the local authorities are really putting in a lot of effort and a lot of resources to make these areas more welcoming for people. The tourism board of Ras Al Khaimah wants more people to get out and enjoy its nature. The Hajar Mountains is a beautiful area. And over the coming years, I'm sure we'll see a lot more marked trails, a lot more areas where it's super simple to get out and enjoy it. And I really hope we'll see areas where there's some kind of refreshments along the way. But for now, there isn't. So please remember what I've said a few times. Take more water than you think you need. And 10 kilometers in the mountains with some elevation on some trail in hotter weather is not 10 kilometers at 6 a.m. along the beach track. Hopefully, that's really useful for you. I hope for some of you, it's inspired you to get out there and explore and see what the UAE has to offer. Please be careful as we come into the hotter months. Some of these areas are passable, some of them are not. Definitely when the cooler weather comes, most of them are passable and safe. The only threat that we have in the cooler weather is rain. So please use a bit of common sense, check the weather forecast, fill your bag with water, some food, wear the right clothes, make sure you take some people with you and get out and have some fun. Thanks a lot for listening. If you've got any questions, shoot them over to me, winning at innerfight.com. And if you've been to any of these places, and had a good experience, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great week.